episode, oh, what are we, 13? Mm. Holy hell. Last That's pretty we, cool. Yeah. Unlucky for some, lucky for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, get straight into it. This week's guest, uh, he is actually a former off-road rally champion. Uh, he was the Australian off-road championship driver, champion class two back in the late 90s. Uh, he's worked in various category management positions. Uh, he assisted with the introduction of the Porsche Carrera Cup Australia and Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge categories. Uh, he managed the Australian GT category from 2012 uh, and was also a representative of Australia to the FIA GT Commission. He is currently with the Australian Racing Group. Uh, and one of his key tasks is managing the Bathurst International event, which is going ahead so far in November. And of course, the gentleman I'm referring to is none other than Ken Collier. Okay, thanks for joining us today, Ken. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks, mate. I'm really happy to be with you, actually. And thanks for all the interest you're showing in uh, what ARG and are doing with our uh, categories and events. Look, um, I, I managed to get to the Shannon's Nationals last year, which, of course, now is the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships, yes. um, which I've had a bit of a giggle and like to call the smack um, with the acronym, <laughs> which, um, yeah, so I'll just have a bit of a laugh at that. Um, and look, the categories you guys are running, you know, TCR, um, the S5000s especially is something that I really, really, really love. Mm. Um, the sound of them and um, I... I I don't think I ran into you at that event last year at the, I was at the bend. Um, but the media room, you know, we, we all had, you know, like thousands of dollars worth of camera equipment and we literally all put it down for the start of the first feature race and stood on the balcony with our mobile phones, um, taking a little bit of a clip just to, I guess, to show people and go, wow, you know, this is actually really, really beefy. So, um, yeah, like really, really do love what you guys are up to. And, um, course yeah a bit later on we'll chat a bit about the Bathurst International event which is uh just becoming a monster by the looks of it so um yeah so look how did you get started in motorsport um well obviously been a fan of motorsport since a since a little since a kid as most Australian kids tend to be but um seriously uh sort of got into off-road racing in the mid 90s or early 90s to mid 90s and um, really enjoyed that. Um, enjoyed the comradeship of the of the other competitors that were involved, and um, ended up um, being with the Victorian Off Road Racing Association for I think six or seven years as the treasurer on a voluntary basis. And uh, and but it was all about you know the mateship and everything of what we're doing and how we were going racing. And um, I was in it a little bit before it turned into something where. It got it's get yeah it got really expensive in to uh, build a buggy and all these in, frames coming in from the USA and uh, all the new uh, engines and technology that was coming into it as far as suspension was concerned so that was good for me and it, get, it allowed me to compete competitively even on my you know, limited budget which was just fantastic and we did pretty well one year and um, and uh, had a lot of fun at the same time so that was sort of the start of um, me seriously being involved with motorsport um, in an amateur basis. Then, lucky enough, a, a friend of mine uh, who's now passed away, but Jamie Blakey, you may have heard of Jamie. Uh, he had a lot to do with Career Cup in the early days of Australia uh, Career Cup. 
uh, and he teamed up with Tony Quinn and a few others to start Career Cup in Australia. And he invited me along to the first event as sort of a, a helper in the administration. And you know, three and a half years later, hadn't missed the Career Cup round. Um, still as a, as a voluntary person there, but just loved it. I met a lot of great people, such as Tony Quinnick, who I've already mentioned. But um, Tony uh, ended up employing me in 2012 as uh, after he'd purchased the Australian GT. And uh, so I ended up working for Tony for seven years, which was just a fantastic part of my life and a fantastic experience. So pretty much that's sort of it. I've been a, you know, a fan, a competitor, a, um, a sponsor. I sponsored Tony's cars for a few years. Also worked in the corporate field and... Um, and then uh, and now an administrator, so and, and loving it, absolutely loving it. It's given, given me some great opportunities, you know, including the little the time I did spent with the FIA GT Commission as a, the first ever Australian commissioner, and um, I still uh, look after the Australian side of the driver classifications for the FIA, um, just assisting them with that, um, and meeting all the guys over there was. It was just a great time. I've, had, I've really had a, a gifted life in motorsport so far. The um, Porsche Carrera Cup and Porsche GT3 challenge introduction, the challenge, what were some of the challenges, I guess, getting involved with such a uh, category early on and trying to promote that, especially, I guess, in that, that era as well? You know, V8 Supercars has been a dominant force within Australian motorsport for so long and it was always you know Holden or Ford so to bring in a new category um, I guess that would have had its own challenges in itself. Yeah I'm sure it did mainly for Jamie and Tony but um, the back then and and, and still now to a a large degree I guess Porsche has its own niche and the customers of Porsche Career Cup uh, globally are different to customers of supercars or British touring cars or even GT, mm. so um, they're mostly amateur. They're mostly um, quite well off, I must say, um, and they're just Porsche nuts. So um, that was uh, an easy place to start with the introduction of Cura Cup into Australia, and uh, it, it soon did quickly grow into something where it was a recognised development category. So, and there was people uh, prepared to have multiple car teams and um, a businessman would drive on himself and then have a, a younger up-and-coming pro in the second car. So you know, it, it, it worked out very well. And I think it was a at that time also it didn't have the backing of Porsche um, as such. It was a privately backed and privately promoted through Tony Quinn. So they you know, got sponsorship deals as best they could. They arranged for the TV. They stuck to the guns of being on the supercar platform, which worked for them extremely well. That's where the customers wanted to be and provided all of the you know, infrastructure that went along with that. And one thing Porsche have done from day one with Career Cup very well is you supported the customer through uh, great su- uh, spare parts supply, technical support, and it really you know, their, uh, their facilities at the tracks are just they're superior to anyone else, any other category. In fact, mm. I think uh, last year at the Shannon's Nationals, the uh, I think it was the Carrera Cup was running, or it might have been GT three. I should really know that since I was there. But um, the uh, as you said, like the yeah, the trucks that Porsche bought along for these teams, mm. you know, as support was just insane. You know, on one side you had 
um, you know, all the S5000 support so trucks and that. Uh, then you had your sort of privateers in the Australian racing um, car series and that. And then you had, you know, these beautiful, you know, Porsche trucks that, you know, you'd, you'd see on an international stage um, just sitting at, I guess, a, an Australian national event, which was, yeah, quite cool to see. So, yeah, I think the as far as the transporters and uh, and that infrastructure is concerned, Porsche are great and do it really well. And they and those all those trucks are independently owned, of course, apart from the spare parts truck and um, the actual B double that they run their admin out of. But um, yeah, and Australian GT do that very well uh, as well. And TCR now, most of the teams are running you know big B doubles and um, you know the cars and the B and the spare parts and the A and uh, it, it, it really has jumped to that next level. And that's where Shannon's is, you know, that Shannon's well, Motorsport Australia Championship Series is going to continue to go. It will continue to become a more professional and higher profile uh, set of events rather than where it's come from, say, five years ago. Yeah. Speaking of Australian GT, that was uh, where you spent uh, pretty much the last, uh, well, the seven years leading up to your change across the ARG Yes. Um, now they've released a four-season, uh, four-date calendar yep. for this year, which looks pretty cool. We're getting a visit from them at Wanneroo Raceway here. Yeah. Um, how? What was your role in Australian GT for those uh, seven years? So I, when I started off, it was um, you know Tony Quinn had just bought it, as I mentioned, and it was a period that we needed to rebuild the category because. Um, it had suffered a little bit from global financial crisis and then um, and Career Cup at the same time was, you know, having some trouble. But Career Cup did come back around about that time in, in full force. So the customer base um, was narrowing for Australian GT. So it took us a couple of years to get that back to where it needed to be and into the glory days of, you know, 15, 2015 and 16, for instance, where we had lots of new cars coming in. And that's the, that's the key to Australian GTs, to have a constant flow of new cars coming through into the country um, because that's when it's really um, in demand. So we managed to build that up. Um, had some interesting times along the way, of course, but um, being you know, a couple of times we talked to supercars about them taking over the uh, ownership of the uh, category um, and running it. Uh, we got pretty close to that one stage, but then... Uh, then CAMS uh, decided that it wasn't a great idea, so uh, they thought that that wasn't such a good thing. Um, but uh, that was a, you know, uh, it would have been an interesting period for Australian GT, I think, to have, you know, taken that with uh, on board with supercars at that period of time. So I was heavily involved with that as well and got to know James Warburton pretty, pretty, pretty well, which was a good thing in the end. And um, he's, uh, of course, still associated with, with us with Australian Oak Racing Group. So, yeah, that, uh, that, that, but yeah, so I pretty much did everything. And uh, it was a big family affair for us, which was good because, you know, I knew the Quinn family very well. And, and uh, they, that allowed me to, you know, to bring my family members in, whereas my wife ran all of the um, catering and looking after the teams as far as administration was concerned. And the kids got involved too, so that was really, you know, that was really cool. Cool. So the after seven years there, um, you know, you ended up as the Australian representative to the FIA uh, for Australian GT. Yes. Um, how much more 
work did that involve for you being, you know, and what, what did you have to do as the Australian delegate to them? Yeah, again, a, a, another voluntary role, um, but very rewarding in that I got to uh, see and contribute to various aspects of GT racing, um, including a, we had a heavy influence, emphasis at that time on safety and where we're going with um, things from be it windscreens to helmets to track safety. Uh, very interesting for me. Um, I'm a bit of a compliance nut, so um, that, that was really good. Um, and being able to have some insight into where GT was going as far as whether we you know, allowed the cars to keep uh, exceeding the performance of previous models and previous versions um, were... were deciding on whether there should be a cap on speed, for instance, um, which, of course, caps uh, development cost, which then flows back through to uh, the affordability of GT cars because those, you know, nowadays it's not unusual to have GT cars in excess of a million dollars by the time you land them in Australia. So that sort of was always a conscious point for me was trying to keep the cost down of new cars, given the, you know, what I've already said about bringing new cars and having a constant flow of new cars coming into the country uh, was very important. So having insights into that stuff was was really, uh, really very beneficial. Um, but it was also a great thing for um, Australia to have for the you know, first time someone representing uh, GT, such a high level category worldwide, um, on, the, on, a, on an FIA commission, because that hasn't happened very often although Motorsport Australia, of course, are very well represented in the FIA and very well respected in the FIA, being a representative for, for GT and a specific um, category was, was really, really something important to me and I think to, uh, to CAMS at the time. So it was very good, very good. Workload-wise, a lot of presentation stuff, um, keeping up to date. Uh, so all the members made contributions on their own series, but IMSA for the USA, for example, we made presentations a few times a year on how our categories were going. So I decided to always include New Zealand in that. And um, yeah, just you know, I also represented the Bathurst 12 hour, albeit you know, that is a, a supercars event, um, but they always provided me with all the data and information and made it easy for me to talk about and promote the Bathurst 12 hour within the GT commission. So that was, it was good. And the uh, Bathurst 12 hour, you did a one year contract with them, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Just for one event, they, um, they got me in just as a, uh, a competitor liaison person. Um, it was around the time that SRO were coming in um, with uh, the intercontinental GT challenge round or yeah, round one, I think it is still is. Um, and, because I sort of knew the people from SRO and knew all of the Australian teams and a few of the international teams that seemed to make sense to them that, that I get involved for that year. And I had a blast. It was great. It was really good working with, with supercars. They're, they're, as far as event managers are concerned, they are quite superb, to be honest. So, um, and being a part of that in the background with one of the Bathurst 12 hours was, was very, very, very good for me. So after all that, uh, in 2019, you made a move across the Australian Racing Group, which I think um, sort of slipped under the radar for a lot of people. And all of a sudden, it's just, bam, here's Australian Racing Group. Here's these categories. That have, you know, and then just over the last 12 months, it's just gained momentum. 
So were you approached or was it a, one of those, uh, you know, seek job ads and you felt like it was time for a change? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, you're right about ARG sneaking in under the radar of a lot of people uh, because it did sort of happen that way. And prior to my involvement, of course, but I actually went head to head with them at one stage um, trying to get the category management rights for TCR because I thought we could bring that into the under the Australian GT umbrella originally. And uh, it wasn't to be, and, uh, and, and I now know why. Um, and uh, the a- ARG pitch was obviously very good for TCR, and they had a, a definite development plan for the category that um, was superior to what certainly I put forward at the time with CAMS or Motorsport Australia. So it didn't surprise me now. It doesn't surprise me now, I should say, as to why they got it. But... Um, for me, I actually thought I was going to be out of motorsport after I um, moved on from Australian GT. You may realise that uh, whilst I was there, we did transfer the ownership of, of, of Australian GT from Tony Quinn through to uh, Trofeo Motorsport. And I did about nine months with Trofeo, or seven or eight months with Trofeo as, uh, as the handover and transition. Um, the last event was with them at Grand Prix 2019. And, yeah, honestly, I thought after that I would be looking at something outside of motorsport, getting back into mainstream corporate type of work, or hopefully semi-retiring. That would be a wonderful thing. But um, uh, just a couple of days after um, I was at the, had, uh, finished the, at the Grand Prix, um, James Warburton called me and said that um, he was a part of this ARG group and he thought that I should meet with John McMallan, who um, is the CEO of the group, and uh, I, I did that after a few weeks and we kept having coffee for, for a few months and he kept telling me that he had a lot of balls in the air and if, as soon as a few of them start landing, he could, uh, he'd want me to come up, jump on board. So that eventually did happen, fortunately, and it was shortly after the ARG were uh, fortunate enough to take over the uh, management or the joint venture management rights of Bathurst 6-Hour and we had the Bathurst 5th event in the pipeline as far as a pitch was going um, we had tcr then we had tcm uh, s5000 of course was was well and truly nearing its debut for a couple of display rounds last year and uh and we were talking to others uh, as well so we've now sort of got our two bathurst uh, events and we've got our five categories that we are looking after directly so um, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty good, and for me, it came about through James talking to to John, who you know, eventually we talked long enough and hard enough, and um, that he uh, John decided, you know, he rang me on a Thursday and said, "Can you start?" And I said, "Yeah, when?" He said, "Well, how about Monday?" And I said, "Yeah, that sounds pretty good. What am I going to do?" He said, "Oh, we'll work that out when you get here." So <laughs> it was uh, it, it was it was pretty cool, and uh, yeah, no, I know I I love being with ARG. They're a great Great, great company, really are, and their heart is in exactly the right spot, spot for motorsport. I know that sounds a bit of a throwaway line, but it's 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 just true. It's absolutely true. I, I think um, I can relate to that. You know, there's a lot of with the heart in the right spot for motorsport. There is a lot of people involved in motorsport at every level that are just there for themselves, uh, without taking into consideration. Yeah, the long-term consequences of you know short-term decisions and yeah. 
behaviors and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, especially with uh, with all that's gone on with COVID nineteen and uh, at a grassroots level, where yeah, there was some pretty harsh things said towards clubs around Australia. You know, people demanding all their money back. You know, and just ripping all the the base funding out of motorsport. Um, trying to um, as a short sightedness, and yeah, and that to me says you know those those people aren't in it for the right reasons mm. you know, it's a it, motorsport at any level is a is an investment you know it doesn't matter doesn't matter what level you're at you know this this podcast is an example um it's all funded there's no um there's no uh sponsors despite my hat um you know <laughs> that was just a gift from adam marjoram you know yeah. so um yeah. you know so it's, and that's you know that's um you know, it's it's not often you see anymore. You know, everyone's just clamouring yeah. to you know milk what they can out of it. Um, and watching how ARGs developed over the last twelve months uh, has got me pretty excited to see. You know, I was I was hopefully going to be at a few of the events this year, um, but obviously we'll see what happens with that. Um, I think but, you can come across to the east, but you can't get back so easy. Pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. That's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, although, you know, 14 days in a hotel paid for by the government. Mm, sounds, mm. yeah. And you can still do mm. your podcast, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You'll need that long to edit all the photos from the event. <laughs> so, um, yeah. speaking of the event, the fifth Bathurst event is uh, the Bathurst International, which um, finally got the green light uh, last year. Mm. Um, actually, no, it was this year, wasn't it? It was the... no, no, it was last year. We're at the uh, Motorsport Australia Sandown Round. Uh, okay, it was announced. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was just thinking the dates and that, but um, yeah. So the Bathurst International was originally going to be a uh, few, a couple of days, and you know, a few categories on track. But now it's grown to a four-day event. Yep. Um, the S5000s will be there. TCR will be there. Uh, there will be a Holden uh, tribute, tribute being yep. done. Um, plus the six bath of six hours going to be run then. Yeah. Um, what other categories are racing there? Yeah, so I'll just background it a little bit, of course, because our Bathurst Easter event was um, cancelled due mm. to COVID. Um, we did find that he took that opportunity to take the inter, uh, expand the international a little bit, um, and we offered the all of the Bathurst six-hour teams who had entered and paid for Easter to transfer the race to November, which all but a few um, did. So we've retained the record field. In fact, we added a couple last week, so that um, that that's worked out okay. And uh, thanks to all the uh, six-hour teams for their support. I do know there's a few in WA, so assuming mm. that the borders and everything will be open again by then, and we, we have to assume that, to be honest, um, as far as planning for the event is concerned. But, yeah, you're right, we've got a big list of categories there. We've got the six-hour um, TCR, and TCR was going to be a 500-kilometre endurance race. It was the TCR 500, which was the um, key uh, race for the, for the whole event originally, um, but that can't happen now because... It, we can't have international teams come in anyway. We know that. So we've made that a just a round of the 
shouldn't say just around, but around of the sprint uh, championship for for TCR. Uh, so all the teams still get to go there. Uh, S5000, you've mentioned, yes, the S5000 cars will be on track, although there's been some you know, controversy over that. Um, various media outlets have said that we haven't got approval. We have got approval um, for the S5000s to be there. We just need um, all the paperwork to go through. And, of course, COVID slowed down all of that, but it will be all through well and truly in time for the event. Touring Car Masters will be there. Uh, that's... Uh, so these are pretty much our categories, of course, and Trans Am. So um, oh, okay. that's our category list. The Trans Am guys will race for a, what we're calling a Bathurst 100, which will be a, um, a pretty special uh, race for them. And TCM also or will also have a feature race, basically like like a King of the Mountain type type race as well. So um, another good uh, cool event that will become an annual event is our plan anyway for those. Two particular categories. Um, Porsche uh, Sprint Challenge is going to be there also. So they announced that this week, last week, I think. So that's great to have Porsche there. And um, we also carried over from Easter the XL, MRF XL um, Challenge. Yep. So uh, there was was 63 of those XLs entered for Easter. Um, Of course, some of those guys can't compete, compete. in November, and business reasons will keep some of them away anyway, post-COVID. I keep saying post-COVID because I'm sure it's going to be post-COVID. Um, historic touring cars are, are going to be there, hopefully with a few of the New Zealand chaps coming across if the bubble is opened up. And as you mentioned, the Holden Revival, so well, the Holden Bathurst Revival, as we call it, which is not a race. Um, it's not a. It's not. It's not a race, and it's not a demonstration, and it's not regulatory. It is. Um, a non-time track sessions. So pretty much the cars can go out and do whatever they want, although some of these cars are worth a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and so we won't be allowing any you know, passing in corners or any of that stuff to happen, but um, they can go as fast as they like down the straights or up the straights and um, across the top of the mountain so long as they're you know, doing it with respect of the other people on the track at the time. So that'll be pretty special. And we've already got great interest being shown in that and pretty much it's open to all uh holden race cars except current supercars of course you know, we couldn't allow them to be there but um, all others can be there be they hq holdens or utes or whatever you know it doesn't really matter it's just it's just it's a whole it's a tribute to the holden to the holden brand so yeah that's going to be pretty good i think it'll be uh a great event, and as you say, we we've extended had to extend it to four days, and, and thanks to the Bathurst community for allowing that to happen, because it has to go through that community process of the uh, the people uh, that shared the track as far as access is concerned. So, uh, thanks to the landlords and Bathurst Regional Council for making that uh, possible. I went up to Bathurst for the uh, Hill Climb Championships in November, and actually met a few of the locals that live. On yep. the track, and um, yeah, they and they just seem so unfazed by it all. You know, just like yep. I was like, you know, how do you find living here? And yeah, and they sort of looked at me a bit funny. I said, oh, I'm just curious. I'm not I'm yep. not asking to make a article or anything. Well, I'm actually just curious, you know. And they're like, yeah, look, you know, once a year we have a you know complete. Yeah, you know, once a year we have obviously the circus in town, um, and then the rest of the time, you know, every now and then we have track you know road closure. But you mm-hmm. know, we all know it's happening. We all chose to live here, so yeah, we love it, and yeah, yeah. We're 
all pretty much rev heads. So yeah, yeah. All, all but few, a few are. And um, but I don't know that there's any you know um, people that that as you say they purchased they probably purchased their property knowing that the track was there, given that motorsport's been happening there for seventy five plus years. So um, it's a bit of a given, and um, and that's what you need to you know allow for and. But even the the fifth event, and there is only permission to run five events at Bathurst. That's it. There can be no more. Where an event is defined as having full track closure. So there are other things that happen, bike cycling and, yeah. and marathons and whatever happen at the track. But as far as and hill climb, as far as full track closure is concerned, there's only five events allowed per year. So, um, but there, yeah, great support from that community, and, and that's one thing I've been really heavily trying to make sure that uh, the community understand is that anything that ARG do at Bathurst um, will be heavily focused. So we're supporting all of the local suppliers that we can. If there's a guy there that can supply marquees and do it well, and um, which there is, um, then we'll, we'll obviously use use that, that supplier. Uh, we use community groups to do volunteer lunch packs and all of those things that we can possibly do to support the local community, we, we will do. And um, no, I'm keen on talking on the local radio channels and um, supplying the local media and press with as many articles as I can to make sure that the community understand when you know, we appreciate the fact that we are privileged enough to use Bathurst as for, two, for two events per year. Yep. I'm, uh, I've already booked my hotel, so uh, yeah. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I can uh, get back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we'd, we'd of course booked everything for Easter. So, yeah. Um, but and, and in true uh, Bathurst style, all of those supplies rolled over until to November. Yeah, there was no, there was never any question. It just, it was really easy. We paid all our deposits and paid other, uh, um, you know, down payments for supply provision everyone's rolled everything over to November and that's you know that was really really mm, good it's good made it so easy mm. um, I, know, I mean I just get frustrated organizing my own travel never mind yeah. you know travel for <laughs> the whole series and personnel yeah. and yeah, yeah all that sort of stuff so yeah, yeah. yeah no that's we, we don't basically we don't book out ridges but we come close to it so. yeah <laughs> look if uh, I think ridges Ridges last time I looked was uh, bloody expensive, um, and uh, but there's a nice little hotel just off the track, which used to be a hospital of some sort. Yep. Um, yep. And it's I think they're charging me three hundred and forty bucks for seven days. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's like, good value. It's That's cheap. Fantastic. That's yeah. nothing. Well, I stayed there at the at uh, the Bathurst Hill Climbs, and yeah. you know, there's no restaurant. There's no, you know, who cares? Yeah. Maybe go into town, you know, maybe explore, um, you know, and really look at me. Do I really need to be at the restaurant? So, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> well, same, um, mate. Exactly the same here. But um, yeah, for us, there's just something about for being an ad- ad- administrator of the event, being so so close and able to walk across the bridge to work in the mornings yep. mm. is pretty good. So I'm there about three weeks before the event starts up. So um, she's working with the logistics guy, Adrian, to make sure everything gets put into place and you know, from the traffic management plan to building stands if we need to do that and um, shooing the kangaroos away 
all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So um, it's really, really handy. But I think that there's, uh, there's some great accommodation options in Bathurst because of the houses. Yeah. The amount of houses mm. you, can, you can hire. They're, yeah. They're great properties. There's some on the track as well, which is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. and they're and they're all decked out for it because it's what they've been doing for seventy five right. years. Some you know, or yep. and the last five years of the of the uh, you know online booking era where they can all Airbnb. Yep, they're also set up. Yep. So at this stage, are you guys planning for spectators? For the absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I. I I, I couldn't plan any other way to be honest because if um, if for example we got a month out and we hadn't planned for spectators and all of a sudden the uh, there was a cure found and the, the all the travel restrictions were lifted and we were able to get you know five thousand ten thousand whatever people there it we it would be uh, pretty poor management if we couldn't facilitate that so yes we're planning to have spectators there and we're planning to have camping uh, as per usual in fact on the 15th of july we will open up the camping bookings we'll open up the uh, spectator bookings online and um, also start offering corporate for corporate uh, opportunities you know for shared corporate suites and um, a pit lane club and all those sorts of things that are going to be uh, available for people to buy a ticket or a table of, of tickets um uh, so, oh, yeah, all of that mid-July, uh, we're just waiting on a few things for Bathurst Regional Council who manage the campsite side uh, to get all their ducks in a row. And as soon as that happens, we'll, um, we'll release those uh, bookings open or we'll declare those bookings open. So, and we'll, we'll do a little bit of a campaign, media campaign along, that, along with that to create some more awareness for the event. Because you know, I'd hate it to be the one of the best motorsport events in Australia, and no one know about it. So we're yeah. going to sing about it a, a fair bit. Well, look on our uh, on our behind the sport website. We've actually got a dedicated area which is getting set up for the uh, Bathurst Internationals. So um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you guys just need to keep feeding me as much info as you can. Like you're pretty yeah. good so far. So yeah. But, um, yeah, like we're happy to just keep plugging the hell out of that because I, I think it's a fantastic looking event and the categories, um, mm. you know, I'm super excited to see the S5000s to go around um, around the mountain. Um, it's starting to sound F- like me, Shane. Yeah, we're not going there. Um, the <laughs> the XLs uh, and the XLs, I think, are going to be a bit of a laugh going around the mountain. I think that's uh, going to be funny to watch. So, yeah. Um, I'm watching them at the bend. Like you watch them at Wanneroo over here, and yeah, we've got such a small track, so they're generally pretty you know, tight together. And uh, when you start getting sort of fanning them out, but the end up is just this, you know, like a bumblebee noise coming out of you know the back of the bend, yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden you got all these cars go whizzing past like bees, you know. So to yeah. hear that at Bathurst, I really can't wait to hear that. So. Yeah. And and by lap two, they'll be all spread out all over the track. So mm. you know, you'll have someone coming around constantly. <laughs> it won't be won't be the be, a, a wave of bees coming around. Yeah. It'll be yeah. a few bees at a time. So no, I think all of those categories um, will do well for the event, and I'm pretty happy to have them all. They yeah, the rollovers from Easter um, that are, that want to be there. There's a few categories, of course, that roll have rolled over to Easter 2021. And um, and that's fine, of course. Um, 
and uh, and they were able to add you know, the historic touring cars and, and the Holden Revival um, is is very special, and and you know confirm that our TCM and Trans Am will be there as well. Yep. Yeah, it's a hectic schedule you're going to have. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's about seven cat seven categories, is it all up? Uh, it's so actually eight. Eight, yeah. So that's that's a massive feat. Well, Motorsport Australia have done that at a Shannon's round before, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty hopeful to be able to do it at a four day yeah. uh, Bathurst event as well. Um, you get you get a pretty good uh, run at the track at Bathurst, of course. There's there's no set uh, noise. Uh, there is curfews, of course, because the resident access uh, period, you know, starts sort of where you can close, start closing it down. I think about seven a.m. and run through to about six p.m. with a resident access period in the middle of the day. Um, uh, so as long as you respect all that and you don't have too many, too much downtime as far as recovery is concerned, then you know it'll make the the event flow pretty easily. So with that in mind, I've increased the amount of recovery vehicles that we've got access to uh, around the circuit um, and working with Bathurst Towing are absolute experts of course at that mm. event, uh, at that circuit so you know, we sort of said to the Bathurst Towing guys, how many car, how many trucks do we need, how many trucks with lifts for S5000s and for example um, and all the different infrastructure they've got and whatever we can, we can have there we will have there to make sure the event keeps flowing um, in the unfortunate circumstance of someone hitting the wall. So yeah. uh, the one good thing about Bathurst is there's, you know, not much like at Sandown, Phillip Island, you spend a lot of time, downtime, red flag races with fixing tyre barriers and walls, for example. That mm-hmm. doesn't really happen at Bathurst so much. Yep. It's pretty, um, quick, to, pretty quick to pick up a car. <laughs> So what sort of um, track activity have you got planned? So, like for, for example, if you look at, say, something like the in Formula One, um, yeah, different venues uh, put on different sort of levels. You know, I think Singapore is probably one of the uh, most entertaining when it comes to off-track activity, you know, installations mm. through the city and obviously Bathurst a lot isn't a city as such, so it's yep. a bit different there. But, yeah. And oh, it's always other, pretty good. Other... Uh, yep other areas that, you know, don't, don't do it. So, so what have you guys got planned for the international? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a tradition now, Bathurst, becoming a bit of a tradition with all the Bathurst events to try and have a, a, a something in town with race cars coming off the mountain uh, into town and obviously not on a race day, but they would in our instance have to be on the Wednesday. So we're looking to do that uh, so long as the police and BR Bathurst Regional Council allows, which they, that won't be a problem. So, Again, just ticking a few boxes to make that happen. So I think it'd be great to get some uh, examples of pretty much all the categories. It'd be more difficult to get an S5000 down there, obviously, because of ground clearance, etc. Um, but we can do that on, we can easily put it on flatbeds to put them on display. Um, but almost everyone else can get down into town and have a community event there to kick, the, uh, to kick it off. Um, at the circuit itself, Again, some of the things we were going to do at Easter was a family zone uh, with you know, jumping castles and uh, face painting and those sorts of activities. Um, and I think that's still important because a lot of the six-hour teams certainly are family-orientated and mm-hmm. uh, have um, friends and family come along to help support them. And you know, 
as I said before, we're working on the premise that we can actually have spectators and larger volumes of people rather than just teams there. So we'll continue to, down that path. Uh, a Saturday night concert, um, be it um, a different concert to what we had planned for originally with the International. Uh, it'll be more um, sort of local community, country western style, not country western, um, but sort of more um, community-minded uh, concert. So we had a, uh, a tribute band to Cold Chisel organised for Easter who were pretty well reputed. So we've still got those guys on tag to come in November. And so we'll put up a, in Harris Park, we'll put up a stage and have something happening there. And an international food van alley um, was always on the, on the plans for, for the event. So we'll continue with those plans uh, off circuit. To, and, and of course, we teamed up with the museum to have some displays um, in Harris Park. Holden Revival will certainly be on display in Harris Park. The uh, uh, and uh, you know we we we're encouraging people to try and get across to the museum as well um, to have that sort of interaction with them as because it's a great you know as you would know there's some fantastic things to see in the museum and uh, and up on top of the hill we're just going to have a uh, we'll have a, a like a, a community based group providing sausage sizzle and soft drinks and more uh, as a family. Uh, family spirited uh, area as well on the top of the hill. Fantastic! Yeah, I think that the hill climbs, the Bathurst Rotary had a bit of a setup, and um, yeah, it was really, really well done for mm. that. It was much more than I was expecting just for that uh, that event. So yeah. yeah, to hear what you guys are planning, um, yeah, I think I'm really going to have to take this risk with the two week quarantine. <laughs> so. Nah, bugger it. Let's do it. We'll see one of the cars. Yep. <laughs> I think one's already in. Well, I'm going yeah. to hand you uh, over to Brent now, um, and he's going to go through, uh, yeah, the more technical nerdy questions to do with motorsport. Um, I hope I can then... answer some of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and no, then, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll uh, have a chat towards uh, the end of it. Thank you. No. Thanks, Sean. No, no drama at all. Mine will be um, not as car orientated or track orientated as as i typically would do but um one thing i wanted to ask first up with your work with the fia um that's kind of interesting to me with and especially with such a, an awesome category like gd3 um what was something that was a standout or uniquely australian issue that you had to take to the global audience you know it's um you know, I just thought of that as you were talking about that role on the, the sort of stuff they'd have to worry about. Um, they'd obviously be representatives from everywhere, but, you know, Australia, we've got our own unique set of challenges here. Um, yeah, I think that the, um, the unique thing to get the FIA Commission to understand was the re- they, whilst they understand the remoteness, it's the fact that we don't have the catchment of customers that you have in USA or Europe, for instance. And... Um, trying to make sense of that and un- make, get an understanding of why I was also always very focused on cost and in con- cost containment within uh, within GT, be it balanced performance or uh, homologation costs or um, cost of upgrading from one level of car to another. So the kits that were coming through, cost of new cars coming in, it was really making them or 
trying to make sure everyone understood that um, Australia and New Zealand, in fact, have got this very small catchment of customers, mm. and which is very different to the to, to what they experience in Europe. And and having Australian GT continually grow is a real challenge compared to some of the economically a challenge compared to what they have overseas. So that was, I, I guess, the one thing that we needed. I needed to keep um, trying to push home with with the FIA. Yeah, and do you think that, um, sort of branching onto that, do you think that's why we've seen, well, maybe it's just the media catching on, but do you think that's why Asia has seen such a growth in the GT platforms um, now just because of the dollar values there or the dollar base so. is there? Yeah, there was, there, there was a, lot of, um, a lot of money to be spent in Asia on motorsport and they, they, picked, on, uh, they, they picked up GT very well. And you, you also, you know, this one mate categories, have become big in Asia, be it uh, the Super Trofeo Lamborghinis, uh, the Ferrari Challenge cars, mm. just two examples, uh, and and Porsche, of course, with what they're doing. Uh, the the Asians picked up on those categories very very well, and uh, having for GT having SRO get involved in Asia made a big difference to it uh, also, and um, you know that. Anything that SRO back in GT wise seems to work pretty well, and and that did in Asia for GT. Cool. Um, with the with the ARG and technical regulations, how does how does that fit in? Is it all under the FIA umbrella, or is it like New Zealand where it's a bit of a mix in its own thing, or how's it how's yeah. it work out there? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mix, and um, historically. You know, if, well, if you look at the uh, non apart from TCR, if you look at the other categories that we've got. Um, we, we developed our own technical regulations for S5000, um, of course, in conjunction with Gary Rogers Motorsport, who uh, built the cars and um, have had a lot of technical input into them. So uh, that, that's how that, that came about. TCM has evolved over a number of years. S5000, uh, sorry, Trans Am, um, we had some regulations coming in from over USA TA2 and Trans Am in USA and TA2 here locally, of course, because it's pretty much a one supplier category as far as Australia is concerned. It will stay that way for a couple of years. So uh, we needed to abide by that and respect that. And uh, the other one, VA Touring Cars, of course, is well, sometimes now called Super 3, is, um, is, is also developed. So the one I haven't spoken about directly is TCR. And TCR is really controlled worldwide. They yeah. is very much locked down as far as the technical regulations are concerned. And even some of the sporting regulations are dictated globally um, by, the, uh, by, the, by you know, the TCR group in Europe. So, yeah. WSA. Oh. So, yeah. No, so it's so it's sort of like that New Zealand model. Like I, I'm assuming you're pretty familiar with the model over there with all the work yeah. you've done with Tony. Yeah. Um, that it's sort of that hybrid of a bit of American stuff, a bit of European stuff. As long as everyone's safe, everyone's pretty happy, and yes. tends to be how it's how it works. So with yeah. with that, is is ARG always looking for new categories to bring in or to fit in from around the world, or is there development for local stuff to come across? What's the sort yeah. of the plan or the mix there? Yeah, well, of course, TCR and S5000 were um, introduced in Australia by, by ARG. Um, the other categories 
really have been as opportunities arose. So um, people have approached us um, to start a category up or to you know help them with administering a category, which eventually might have been transferred across to us in, to- in total. So, and of course, I'm saying that's all happened very quickly, mind you. So uh, in the last 12 months or so. So are we looking at other categories? We, we, we would always look at other opportunities as they arose. Um, we need to bed down what we've got because 2020 has been disrupted. This was a year of us um, really taking our categories and taking our, our two events to up, up to the ARG spec, if you like, um, because we, have, so we set a pretty high standard. So the t- 2020 was going to be that year. We had also decided to invest heavily in our own TV production and broadcast on the Seven Network, yep. live free-to-air on Seven and broadcast through uh, their streaming service, Seven Plus, which was a has been a huge investment for us this year. Of course, we, you know, we've done all of the background work and you know, so we're ready to hit the ball ground rolling um, and we'll, you know, we'll continue that investment for the balance of the 2020 events. Um, and, you know, we've already announced a couple of events in Tasmania in January, so, or January slash February. So, you know, that media uh, investment will continue right throughout and we'll really... I think people will see then when we start our media cam, our media production about how good um, an ARG event in an ARG category mm. will can be um, because it'll be something special. So, yep, um, yeah. Well, that's yeah, it's cool. And like you know, Shane's already fanboyed out about the S five thousands. I man, I think they're the coolest thing since sliced bread. Like, yep. um, I grew up with F five thousands being the pinnacle of of motorsport. Um, so yeah, keen to see those. The TCR cars, I think they have got so much more scope than what anyone's realised because they bring back the strength of the different um, styles of cars because you've got the production base. So you're always going to get that, which is kind of cool. And to see them at the mountains going to be awesome. Um, and like you said, I think, yeah, it's, it's fair cop. You're going to have to bed all that down and get a good run before you, uh, you know, That's grow right. too quick. Um, and saying that, the some of the TCR stuff you're starting to see over in NZ now as well. Um, I half on about New Zealand a bit because I'm a Kiwi. So, um, well, I will forgive you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's some beautiful facilities over there, some beautiful national level facilities there. Um, will we see an ARG Trans-Tasman Series. We've already seen some of the V8 Touring cars and the MRX cars come over. Um, this, um, so the, the historic Touring cars, I should say. Yeah, um, through TCM. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, you may be aware that um, ARG, through our New Zealand company, um, made an agreement with Motorsport New Zealand to start TCR up in New Zealand. Um, that, uh, in, in fact, struggled for 2020. Um, mainly because of uh, well, several reasons, but availability of cars uh, and the very tight schedule that was planned for you know, having five or six events run over uh, well, that summer period. Um, mm. through, About uh, a month you get in New Zealand. Yeah, really following that Toyota series around, yep. that Open Wheeler series. And um, you know, that it really became impossible for us to do it um, in that a length amount of time that we had leading into trying to develop TCR. 
that being said, a couple of the TCR guys have brought their cars to Australia. So, and Track Tech um, competed at, well, we, we tried to compete at the, at the Formula One, the Grand Prix this, this year. Um, and those cars are still here, I believe. So, they're looking mm. at doing more in Australia. Um, would we want to do um, Trans Tasman? Absolutely. And our categories are perfect for it, to be honest. Mm. The, um, the TCR, obviously, as we've just talked about, um, the Touring Car Masters have got great synergy with the, the Touring Car Masters style of cars in New Zealand. And um, certainly Trans Am, there's a few TA2 cars uh, in New Zealand now and uh, potentially a lot more. Uh, and we'd like to have more to do with them in New Zealand as well. And um, but that will evolve or not. Um, but uh, having an S five thousand, how cool would it be for S five thousand cars to be taken to New Zealand and, and support that summer series? It would be something that would be really, really great to happen. And, um, and none of that's off the table. But we just need to get over this situation we're in now and and, and re- reset and reboot and relook at what um, can happen uh, as far as. Uh, you know, people's finances when they come out of this terrible thing, situation that we're in and, and make, make sure it's, it's economical for everyone to do it. If it is, then I'm all for it. I love New Zealand, even though I'm a Victorian born and bred, Australian born and bred, but, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in New Zealand, not only in motorsport, but in my old corporate days. All of the businesses I ran um, were always Australian New Zealand. So... Um, have uh, lived in Auckland for a year, for example. So um, it was, uh, yeah, I'd love to get back there. And as you say, the facilities that are in there, over there are great. Um, I've got a bias leaning towards Hampton Downs and Highlands Motorsport Park, but um, but the other tracks are great too. Bukagui is great. Taupo's brilliant. Taupo's fantastic. Um, Some of the South Island tracks, be it small and a little bit countrified, are just great places to go to. I spent a bit of time over there with Kura Cup uh, in New Zealand when Jamie was assisting with that as well. So, and uh, no, I'd love to be there, mate. I'd, and any, you know, where, where would anyone want to retire? Queenstown. You know, it's just yeah. the best best place in the world. So. <laughs> yeah, well, to see um, S five thousands at Highlands would be. Well, that's a pretty special track. That's pretty yeah. spooky. Highlands is. Um, how yeah, the, how would just, they be in that carousel? Oh man, it's just <laughs> unreal. Or even um, uh, even at Hamptons on that little hairpin loop before you get that little run back up around to the front straight there. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, I've been lucky enough. I've, I haven't driven Highlands, but I've driven Hamptons, driven Talpo, driven Rapuna. Um, so they're all, yeah, great, great tracks, and that'll be good with them. Um, what about uh, being selfish, little old us over here in WA? Um, is there any lower level, more state-based or, you know, grassroots ARG sort of things on the horizon? Well, we were talking about it, but that um, sort of stopped recently. So uh, I personally would love to come to um, to all of the states in Australia and, and WA included. Now that we've, you know, we've got Tassie, um, in, you know, that was always a bit of a hurdle to go to Tassie cost-wise, uh, but... We seem to have been able to crack that uh, through the assistance of Gary Rogers, so in the, in the Tasmanian government, and it would, it, you know, getting anything to Perth is is expensive, unfortunately. Mm. But um, 
we would need to, you know, invest in that and, and you know, certainly do some work with the with local government to try and get some assistance to bring an event there. Um, could we bring categories with with supercars? Of course we could. That's certainly always doable. And, you know, we, we, we get along really well with the supercars guys and um, we, um, you know, we've got no objection to, you know, trying to work hand in hand or more cooperatively, continue to be cooperatively working with supercars and, you know, make the events, events great. And especially events, far distance events, Darwin or Perth, certainly makes sense for us to do that. Mm. No, that's, that's cool. And like I said, I'd like to see ARG do some great things and more local based things. I'm a real nerd for Enduros. I think um, in Australia and New Zealand, sort of good. They used, I don't know if they still do, they used to run a summer series of short Enduros. Um, but uh, through Europe and America, you get spoiled because there are so many different Enduro series three hours, six hour, 12 hours. There's a lot of it that are, that are not a grassroots driver, but a more um, a more geared up driver can get into easier. Uh, we just don't seem to have that here. There's a little bit with the production car racing over east, but um, outside of the couple of biggies we get, there's no real enduro series to get into or experience to get into at a lower level. And mm. I'd hope hope to see some of that on the horizon. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, well, as you know, we we plan to have a 500 kilometer TCR race at Bathurst this November. Um, unfortunately, that can't happen, but um, it will happen in 2021, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's what so we'll continue a lot to plan for those. Doing more endurance is, is always on the cards, as long as the category can support it. I mean, it'd be pretty hard to do an endurance in an S5000 because they have to stop fuel every 20 minutes. But yeah. um, um, other, the other category, you know, TCRs definitely um, can support more endurance racing as such. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of endurance racing too. You know, I've been to Nurburgring for 24 hours and stayed awake and helped, you know, you know, crew on a car and 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 obviously Bathurst 1000 and Bathurst 12 hour. And who, who would think that, you know, you could be as excited at dawn at the Bathurst mm. 12 hour as what you can be at um, at 6 p.m. When the, when the flag drops? You know, it's, it's pretty incredible to think that. Yeah. Oh, and even just the the opportunity to be alongside them, you know, like the combined sedans that we did uh, last year and over there, and just yeah, you're on a buzz the whole lot, which I'm sure that the, the next event will be. Yeah, um, I got one more question before I give you back to Shane, um, but uh, S5000 is probably one of the biggest notable new things to come in a long time. That's got everyone really excited because they are ri- just ridiculous cars. Like you know, if you didn't have the constraints of a production car or didn't have the constraints of the FIA. Um, that's what anyone that thinks fun is would build, you know? <laughs> so yep. uh, that's why I think that they're so cool. Um, yep. Where do you see them going and what's, is there an ultimate end goal? Is there a roadmap? I'm sure there is business wise, but for the layman, what's, what's the, what's the ramp yeah. rate for them? It's a very good question. In fact, because um, I mean, whilst there's 15 cars now, it needs to be greater than that to actually make the category, no category really works properly with less than 20 cars from a financial point of view. Yep. So, um, and then you've got momentum and then it starts to grow a bit and new people become interested in it. So you need to have more cars coming through. I I honestly think there's going to be more interest in it from, from Asia. We are talking about Asia before. 
I see that that is a, uh, a zone that could be really interested in S5000, given that it's a very high-performance car. It's a, it's a very safe car. It's got a great platform that technically it's based on, and it's, it's not crazy price. It's, a, it's almost an in, it's not entry-level, don't get me wrong, but um, it's for, for a premium category, it's certainly entry-level price. And yeah. and I think that you know all of those things are going are going for it well, and I'd be very surprised if we couldn't get penetration and interest from from Asia. Um, there is already some interest in Europe, believe it or not, and um, simply being at the at the Grand Prix this year created a bit of a bit of a stir because mm. we were allowed to go out and practice the course on on Thursday. Um, we're you know standing there waiting on Friday Friday for most of the morning to get back out in the track, but we did have the cars on the circuit on on the Thursday, and um, they they put on a good show with you know, Barrichello coming out and yeah. a few other key drivers there. So um, that um, we we had inquiries following the Grand Prix um, from Europe about S five thousand. So all things all things are good. If you know we, we'd be in a diff- we'd be having a different conversation if we hadn't have had this bloody stop. To everyone's lives mm. for the last three or four months. So uh, I think that, you know, let's focus on rebuilding what we've got for 2020, uh, put on a good show, put on some good TV, and uh, do really, really well. You know, have a great thing at Bathurst with you know, a dozen or more cars flying around there uh, with some good key drivers in them, um, which we, you know, you'll see announcements coming up over the next little bit about uh, who's going to be competing in S5000 as we lead into our. August Sydney Motorsport Park event, and I think you'd be pretty happy with with what's happening. But yeah, it's a great. It is a great category. It's it's you say it's one of the uh, only true interesting developments in motorsport of very recent times. And um, uh, it, will it will it work? Absolutely, it's going to work. There's enough there's enough fans out there. And it, I I I I admit to you, uh, Brent, that I wasn't a great open wheeler fan up until very recently, and I stood at Sandown last year and watched those cars go around, and I couldn't believe that I'd just watched one go around and another one was coming. Like, it was like they are so fast. Mm. Like, they are absolutely going to destroy the records of, uh, of the circuits as we take them around Australia. Certainly did at Sandown, as you know, and uh, you know, that, that will continue, and it's really, really exciting to see, you know, 12,000 or 13,000 people in the stand at Sandowns at a Shannon's Motorsport event was just incredible. And what the, and they were all there pretty much to see S5000. Mm. It's, it was incredible, absolutely incredible to see it. And I, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen wherever we take the cars. Yeah, and I think the, the big bang of V8, bringing that back to an open wheeler is what's, I think, done it for a lot of people because some of the modern Formula cars, like, you lose the average person because they're just so advanced. Um, the S5000s are obviously very advanced and you probably get lost talking about the suspension on them, but mm. you throw that traditional style V8, you're not, none of these rad new Judd-type V8s, the traditional big banger in there, that noise, yeah. and then... And, and Brent, it's a crate engine. Yeah, yeah, it's, so, it, it develops its, its horsepower and speed naturally, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's got so some tweaks, of course, through electronics, but it's a, it's a crate engine. So it's, it, makes them, it makes the open wheel platform relatable again. Yeah. And um, 
I don't think we've seen that since the, the heyday of some of the stuff mm. you're seeing in the Formula Classics now, like the older Rolts with the mm. Cosworths and that sort of stuff. So, you know, as soon as you went to the modern Formula cars, it lost most people because they couldn't relate it to something they, they could use, you know. Yeah, I, I love the talk from the drivers about, oh, you know, you actually have to drive it. You actually mm. have to work it around the corners. And, yeah, sure, it's got downforce. Of course it has. It's got wings and, and, and everything on it. But you still, and it's got, as you said, great suspension. You still have the, the, all the drivers get out and say, "Wow, I, I really got back to driving a race car." It was very exciting for them. So, as that story grows and becomes better, um, yeah, good things for that category, mate. I'm, I'm sure I'd be very, you know, we're, we're certainly trying to push towards twenty cars for for next year in Australia, and um, and once once we do that, the momentum will will really pick up. Oh, wicked. Oh, cool. Well, thank you very much for answering my sort of nerdy questions or more to, more sort of questions figuring out where we're going and, and um, the future, you know. Like, uh, yeah, Shane Shane always bags me out for it, but uh, uh, competitive motorsport is still what turns me on um, and yeah. seeing new categories that sort of glean from what made them popular before um, gives me future hope for my two boys that they just won't give up and play golf, you know. Yeah. Well, there's probably more money in golf, but anyway. Uh, yeah, for for a few, but there's still. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no, that's right, that's right. Yeah, but it's uh, no, I I, th- I think yeah, there is. Uh, as long as we keep, I I, I said it in a couple of uh, other interviews that we've done that I've done. Um, motorsport is is a business, and as long as you understand the fact that you have to treat it like a business and keep your customers happy, and the customers are. You know, multi-level. There's customers, direct customers who might compete or buy cars and compete. There's customers who are the guys coming in through the gate. There's volunteer customers who are working at the circuits. Um, as long as you respect all of those, you know, entities in your business, then and and understand that every business needs to evolve and the product needs to evolve. It just can't stay the same all the time. So um, you need to keep thinking of doing things differently and not get stuck in a paradigm and motorsport motorsport can be very easily stuck in paradigms mm. people just want to do it that way because it's always been done that way so i i hope that you know arg and, and others you know, will keep evolving evolving the sport and making it more interesting and and bringing on a new batch of um supporters and a new batch of volunteers and uh, and people who want to contribute to the sport because I know that ARG certainly are contributing financially, and you know, I said our heart's in the right place, and I and I truly mean that. Mm. Wicked. No, thank you. I look forward to the uh, to the Bathurst event for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, you make you make sure that you know you contact me, and and, and we're in touch well and truly prior to that. No, absolutely. Yep. Alrighty. Um... Now, I had on my original uh, list of questions for you, which was about who's been most influential in your motorsport career. And I, I, and you've, I think you've already given us that answer with um, with uh, Tony Quinn. Outside of him, is there anyone else that's been influential in your career? I think that the people I've already mentioned, as you say, Jamie Blakey, um, he... Uh, he he was a you know, big influence on the admin side and, and how to actually um, treat a customer properly in motorsport. And Tony gave me that understanding that um, certainly with the GT customers and, and uh, what was that 
you know, you, you've got to understand the dynamic of the of the, of the teams and who who you who who you're dealing with. In that they're nine to five, ultimately their own boss. But when they come to the track, they have to you know be guided and influenced to do things the way that the category might want to do it. So um, that's all been good learning curves. And um, but Stefan Rattal's also played a had an influence over me um, because I learned a bit from Stefan early on about the importance of uh, homologation and balance of performance and how to really uh, do events extremely well. Um, and I went to a few of the SRO events and and took copious notes and copious amounts of photo, photos about how to run an event properly. I didn't get to implement all of that uh, in back into Australia, but um, that you know, has been they've been great influences on me in motorsport for sure. Those three people. Um, but I look, I know Motorsport Australia get bagged a lot, but I can't go past this conversation without. You know, mentioning a few people at Motorsport Australia, like Michael Smith, who's you know been a constant guy at, at MA, uh, along with Laurie Schmidt, who have helped me, you know, for a long time. And, and um, you know, I'm talking back Motorsport Australia support or CAMS support when I was doing off-road racing as well, and trying to organise events for that. The guys at Motorsport Australia really are, you know, are great people. Um, and you know, I think there's an uh, an underappreciation of them sometimes because we all tend to bag them. But um, you know, they they do a lot of things with not a lot of resource that yeah. they can accomplish. And what we I was very fortunate to be um, asked to go onto the Return to Race Task Force and um, and be part of that over the last couple of months. And what that task force achieved was just incredible as far as setting up. You know, documentation systems and return to race plans that administrators can use, event planners can use, category managers can use. Um, it's all on the Motorsport Australia website. And they did that very, very quickly and very well. Well enough, in fact, for um, the um, some of the Australian sporting councils to, to you know, copy some of it. So that, that was a real credit to them. Yeah, I'd um, had a chat with Michael Smith uh, back in March, um, just before we all went into lockdown. March, no, February. One of those days. Um, <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, fortunate enough to be given two minutes to have a quick chat with him. And, um, mm. you know, very, uh, I won't say hard man to get on onto a video in a conversation, but um, <laughs> uh, it was it was very clear, you know, you got two minutes and that's it, you know. So, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, we had a quick chat before and, and it's interesting chatting with someone like that. Um yeah, and, and I haven't said this publicly before, but, you know, the question was asked, you know, well, what what answers do I want? And so, well, no, that's not what I, you know, I actually want to hear your answers, you know. And, yeah. I, and I think because a lot of people go, especially with Motorsport Australia, they've got their own agenda that they want to hear yeah. when they ask these questions. Um, and funnily enough, we actually had a great chat um, off camera and a little bit on camera about uh, S5000s. <laughs> yep. um, and, you know, he, Michael's uh, quote from that talk was that, and this is what I agree with, is that um, S5000s is everything that Formula One used to be and should still be. Yeah, and that's, yeah, and to hear that from someone so high up in motorsport in Australia, 
yep. about a fledgling category was just fantastic. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I think he's a very smart man, and if and he definitely knows motorsport. Yes, globally, yes. absolutely globally, not just Australia. Yeah, and he's and he's and he's recognised as an expert globally. So, yeah. So, um, moving into a bit of a fantasy land scenario. Yeah. If you could have two drivers <laughs> on the grid from any era, any category, first off, who would they be and what car would you put them in out of your categories that you, you guys manage? Okay. Now, I am not a great worldwide uh, font of knowledge on drivers and and, uh, and it, Especially historical. So I'm going to give you an answer that's related to where I've been, and who I know, um, and and who I've uh, who I consider to be two of the, the the best locally known drivers. And the first one is Jim Richards. Mm. I, I respect the fact that um, Jim Richards could pretty much get into any make of car, or mark of car, or uh, category of car, and do extremely well, and do it into his what would, would what was considered latter years of, of high profile motorsport um, was quite incredible so i'd pick i'd pick jim richards um i'd have to get back to you on the car um what would he be great in pretty much bloody everything as i said but um i'd, I'd love to see uh i don't think he'd be a great front wheel guy uh We'll drive guy. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, but that's sort of t- TCR is a little bit more difficult to get your head around. Um, he'd be obviously be fantastic in in uh, in S5000 or TCM and Trans Am. Um, I think I think if I had to pick one that I'd put Jim in, in reality where he is now, it'd be Trans Am. So that uh, and the other the other person who might be not someone you would have thought of, but I do, um, was Craig Baird. Because mm. similar similar reason to to Jim Richards in that Craig can get into pretty much anything. I was uh, lucky enough to you know have him in Career Cup for or we were lucky enough to have him in Career Cup for a long time. And I had the the company that I was working for at the time in the corporate world. Um, we had our brand on his car for a couple of years, and he did some ambassador work for for that company. Um, but not for any of that reason, other than you know he's. He was the most winning Porsche driver in the world um, and he could do anything in a Porsche. But I also respected the fact that he could jump into a supercar out of a Porsche, 10 minutes later being a supercar and do, and do well. Um, and I always respected the way he, he drove. I liked the way he um, drove amongst other drivers in that you know, he, was, he was a bit pushy and shovey, but... He did it with respect to you know, as much as you could could do it. This is in my take, you know, my view. Anyway, uh, what car would I put him in? I'd put him in anything again. What I would love to see Craig in, I've never really seen him in an open wheeler. I'd love to give him a go in an S5000 because he's a driver. He's a real driver. I think he'd come to grips with the fact that you've got to really mm. think about how to drive that car um, and, and he would do well on it. Fantastic. So, last question, um, and this sometimes uh, this could 
could be seen as, I guess, poking a little bit of controversy, but it's not meant to be that. It is a genuine, honest question, and and that is around the future of ARG uh, and where you guys see yourself fitting in the landscape. You know, is it a compete or is it a complement of what uh, compete complement or replace of supercars as the the prominent motorsport promotion in Australia? Yeah. Um, if I can play, if I can, well, answer this respectfully. Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's really a question for the directors of ARG, although I can give my opinion um, and how I see it. I don't focus on supercars at all. I don't look at what they do. I look at what we do and um, have always done that, whether it was with Australian GT. I didn't look at what other categories were doing. I just tried to make sure that we were doing the right thing by the customer and we've continued that with, with ARG as well. So we would, I, I think we, we could do motorsport better by working closer together. In my, in my opinion, I would like to see that happen. I think that uh, um, motorsport in Australia, and I've you know, covered this off before is small. The market's small. The, 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 the spectators are, uh, not an enormous group, the diehards, if you know what I mean, the guys that mm. are going to be there thick and thin. Yep. And I think that we need to give them as good a product as what we possibly can. And if supercars worked close, we're, we're able to work closely with Australia, with Australian Racing Group, I think that would be a great result in the end. I really do. Um, I don't think ARG set out to replace supercars. That's not the way it was explained to me when I came on board. Um, but there, but there wasn't not, there wasn't another show. So if you wanted to go on the main show, you had to go on the supercar show. And there was an opportunity for many categories that didn't want to be on the supercar show. And there needed there needed to be an alternative. And I think that ARG, through the cooperation with Motorsport Australia, are able to able to provide that. And certainly that'll become evident when our broadcast um, starts. Uh, with the August event in at Sydney Motorsport Park. Yeah, and look, I think you've you've hit it on the head. You know, the the supporter base for motorsport is quite small. It's definitely nowhere near what it used to be um, you know, back in the eighties and nineties when we used to be a little kid hanging off the little wire fence that was classed mm. as a safety fence yep. back then. Um, yep. You know, and and it'd be packed. You know, you didn't have to have you know, all the super, you know, famous drivers and Brocky and all those guys at the track to have a packed track. Um, you know, and that doesn't happen anymore. No. It's, ve- it's very, very rare. So to be able to have an alternate that can work together, I think is a fantastic, you know, attitude to have um, because, it, you know, fracturing motorsport more than it already is mm. isn't going to help. Um, yeah, we see it locally in various uh, <laughs> subcategories. Um, the, the drifters come to mind at the moment. Um, you know, it's just silly. You know, it's it should be love of motorsport should mm. override it all. And, you know, let's give spectators, drivers, everyone that wants to compete, watch it, volunteer, something fantastic yeah. to be involved with. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean... If you looked at it like the old pie, you know, the pie isn't going to get any bigger 
And if you keep dividing it down into smaller chunks, then it, it becomes, you know, a, well, you lose the pie in the first place anyway, but it, it just devalues itself. And, yep. you know, I don't, want, I don't want to see that pie be uh, dissolved into, you know, into, into, into mush because it shouldn't be. So I, I, I would support all of the uh, major players in motorsport in Australia working cooperatively together. And ideally, that, that would be my ideal world. That's, uh, that's a Ken Collier view and not necessarily, you know, but, but that's how I see it playing out. So yep. that would be my, my wish. Oh, one can, one can hope. I, I agree the same, Ken, and, and you know Shane hit it on the head with some of the stuff we're seeing in local categories. Um, you know, there's three clubs for drift, for instance, here in WS. So taken to a really micro level. Yeah. Um, there's three clubs there for that. Um, our saloons, our IPRA guys. Um, WA is so small and so far away that um, we can't justify the track time for such small categories. We just need to go to a combined, my personal opinion, just need to go to like a combined saloon set up, get everyone working together. It's just motorsports hard. I can only imagine what it's like at your level with um, anyone that's been a driver or a e- team owner or an egomaniac, which you have to be to be either one of those two. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, but that's, it's got to work together. We've got to stake our claim and, and get a bit yeah. back from rugby. How did, you, how did you guys go in with the esports? How did you say that? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. and saying that, uh, uh, we just did a big fundraiser for MND on the weekend where we ran an esports tournament where we had a mix of uh, local drivers from, I think we just had every category represented mm. there in different forms. Mm. Um, there was a local series that, that ran through, uh, which was pretty good. There's a swag of local leagues that opened up. Um, the touring car stuff, I think just about everyone was jumping on and watching that on the Wednesday nights. Mm. Um yeah, that was that was popular. I'm, yeah, man, I'm, I'm an e- bit of an esports buff because uh, with the two young kids, I've only you know, got a shed full of cars out there. But I've only had two race cars on the track in the last season, so um, I've been yeah on the sim more than anything. So yeah, yeah, and and of course TCR's got their uh, series running on Thursday nights. Yep. I got that one right. Yep, yep. Um, it so just restarted with the the new series. Yeah, um, which means we can run cars other than Audis, which was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> cool. So we can actually run all of the TCR car marks, which is excellent, and all in their livery of what they w- would be running in Australia. So, and ne- no, this week is Bathurst. So yes, no, oh, wicked. Last week was the Grand Prix Melbourne at Albert Park, and yep. um, and I messaged uh, Liam Talbot, uh, Liam Kirkpatrick, sorry, the category manager for TCR. Uh, through the event and said, well, look at that. Just like when we were there on Friday, there was no one in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> they could have populated with some people just for the sim, I thought. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, no, I, I mean, I, I mean, off the record, I've never, yeah, you know, well, I've never been a great, I've never been on a sim or in a sim, never used one, but used arcade games. But, um, you know, but that's it. But I was quite, I was surprised at the quality of it. Mm. So, which um, platform are you guys using for that um, e series? Uh, yeah, good question. Ask Rowley. Because <laughs> I'm just looking at um, the you've got actual advertiser like car sales, like uh, live, uh, billboards and stuff. Yeah, which is um, 
pretty cool. So, whatever yeah. the WSC are using for the international European TCR, I racing. That's what we've um, I racing, is it? Yeah, yeah, and okay. that's what we've we've logged into. So, we'll hook yeah, up wow. with, yeah, all the track signage and everything's really really good. Yeah, just looking at uh, it was uh, Ben Baguana and Dylan O'Keefe took out the opening round. Yeah, I was like, I'm sure I'm sure I did a story on this last week. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. But um, it, it was it was actually good racing. They seem to respect their cars more when they are actually driving the car that they're going to be on on the real track yeah. on, which was, <laughs> which was was interesting. I think if you're a non non Audi guy in the previous series, you just bashed it up anyway, and you wanted to see how many times you could roll. But, um, <laughs> so, last week's race was pretty good, I thought. So. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this week I don't have any plans, so I'll actually be able to watch it live, which will be good. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Have you guys I mean, on the on the E series? You've just opened up another world of questions. <laughs> yeah. But um, are, are you guys looking at doing any sort of wild card entries, uh, similar to like what BP? all-stars did where they had a couple of home races join in or is it just going to be a sort of a, a set format for now uh with the current one that's running the current series that's running now there wouldn't be like public access to it um i under, I, I don't know a lot about it but from what i understand of that um of that platform we're running on it's 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 a bit locked down okay so, um, and it's controlled by TCR overseas, so right. um, we we abide by those regulations, if you like. So, but as we become more experienced in it, um, I'm sure we'll find out more about what we can do. Yep, we could. All right. Well, look, um, we've kept you quite long, and it's. Uh, <laughs> It, two hours. It's uh, it's it's about nine twenty your time. So, <laughs> um, and look, I think we could definitely uh, uh, chat a lot longer about um, you know uh, quite a few things. Um, but look, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I really hope that I get to catch up with uh, all of you in November in person. Um, and get to actually see the see the event. Obviously, depending on how things are going with borders and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I look forward to all the new news coming out about the Bathurst International. I think you guys are doing an amazing job with that event and the other categories uh, that you've, you're promoting. Um, very interested to see your broadcast, um, and yeah, especially being with. Uh, yeah, the the Channel Seven crew. Um, that that sounds like it's going to be fantastic. Um, so yeah, um, thank you very much. Um, anything you'd like to add last minute before before we hop off? No, nah, mate. I probably talked enough to be quite honest. But um, just cut out anything you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was all good. It was all really good. Oh, thanks, Brent. Thanks, Shane. All right. But, well, that's uh, yeah. No, look. Make sure you. If you're coming over, make sure you look me up and you've got my email and phone number and everything. So, Absolutely. Um, always always love to have a chat and get together and one day have a beer together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, uh, that was Ken Collier uh, joining us for episode 13 of Behind the Sport. Um, we'll be back right after this little break. 
So uh, that was episode 13. Um, yeah, any last thoughts, Brent? No, like I mentioned before, talking to Ken was uh, really good to get that high-level view, uh, that integrated view. I think that is important. Uh, put a lot of the rumours to bed. Um, and yeah, I'm just really looking forward to that that event at Bathurst, the six-hour combined with all the other categories they've got there. It's just going to be wicked. It's yeah. positive for motorsport. Um, and I think we've always sort of, we get distracted and it's very easy to look at the negative stuff. But as long as we keep focus on the positive and combining things and, and making motorsport better, we'll all, we'll all be in a lot better place. Yep. Yeah, next week. Oh, we're back circuit racing next week. We did try to step away, um, but we're back circuit racing next week uh, in terms of our guest. And our guest is a young fellow who back in his karting days, which wasn't that long ago, really, uh, had a kart come flying across the back of his head and he kept on racing. Um, and that is Chase Hoy. Uh, oh. Chase is uh, a lot taller than me. Um, surprised he even fits in a race car. Mm. Um, his dad is uh, an old racer up at Wanneroo Raceway. Um, fantastic father-son team going on there. Uh, he'll be joining us to have a chat and looking forward to that. Um, he'll be talking about being all Hollywood uh, with the movie Go that he was um, a stunt mm-hmm. driver and um, at his young age, a bit of a technical advisor too as well. Uh, so, yeah, he'll be joining us next week. Um and look forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Episode thirteen, unlucky for some, superb for us. Lucky thirteen, hot rodders dream. Catch us later. See you, dude.